Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I really want to try to I really want to challenge you this morning with this message. I know sometimes it's easy, you know, to just kind of go through the motions of church and just uh, go through the motions of listening sometimes. But I really want you to uh, take this message and really, really make it personal in your own life. And I'm going to tell you the title before we read the passage of scripture. I want to I'm going to tell you the title of the message. And it's focusing on our weaknesses. I want you to focus on your weaknesses today. I want you to think about your weaknesses. Now, usually, people, you know, you're supposed to focus on your strengths. And when I say, and when I talk about focusing on your weaknesses, I'm, I want you to focus on that too in regards to serving the Lord. A lot of times we do, we focus on our strengths and our abilities, but I want you to think about the areas where you're weak, where you're not very good, maybe. Maybe where you don't have a whole lot going for you. I want you to focus on those things this morning. I did something today, uh, that, or not today, I did it this week, that might seem very unusual. I was, I was talking about this morning uh, in Sunday school, but you know, it works sometimes. I was, I was telling them how I really think in the spiritual world, Satan has greater access to you at lower temperatures, okay? You know, for example, this winter was tough on everybody, you know, just mentally, spiritually. And sometimes when I'm in that freezer at work, and thank the Lord this was my last week in the freezer, I'm moving up to an area that's like in the 30s and 40s, which is way better than 10 and 20 below. And, but, and I'm only going to be there two days a week. And so just thrilled to death about that. But um, I think it's... In, I'm, when you're in those colder temperatures, Satan just has greater access to you. That's just my personal opinion. I have no Bible on that. Absolutely no Bible on that. But it's just, boy, sometimes you get in there and the devil just, he, you know, I'm in there and he's, he's just beating me down spiritually. And just really getting on me. And he, he was getting on to me just this week. And uh, really focusing, you know, just reminding me of a lot of my flaws and a lot of my weaknesses. And as it's going on, I'm just praying and asking the Lord to help me. And I'm just, I do that. I sometimes get kind of depressed in there. Thankfully, once I get out of there and I'm on my way home, I snap out of it quick. Uh, just, when I, boy, when you get in there in that cold, it just does something to you. And, but when I, I remember I came later that day to the church and I'm, uh, you know, getting ready for, uh, you, you, uh, it was, I believe it was Tuesday, and I usually get ready for my uh, Wednesday night message then. But I started working on the Sunday message. And something I did, because the devil was reminding me of my weaknesses. I did something. I went and I wrote down what I thought my weaknesses were. In areas where I'm just going to be, I'm not going to tell you what they were. In fact, I destroyed the paper afterwards because I didn't want other people finding it. Because I, I was just real honest with myself. And I wrote down the areas where I just, I stink, basically. <laughs> I mean, if you want to just be real honest with it. Uh, and, and I was just real honest with myself. And, you know, a lot of those things I probably got from the devil. He's real good at pointing out your weaknesses in areas where I'm very good. Now, you know, and I think about, you know, the goals that I have for this church and what I would like to see God accomplish. And many times as I think about those things, I'm reminded of my weaknesses. And it's like, I don't really know that I'm capable of that. And, you know, and I'll just be honest too, I did something else. I thought, you know, I wrote down what I felt our church's weaknesses were. 
And I'm not picking on anybody, but just I thought, you know, well, you know, with our situation, you know, I, I thought, you know, this is areas where I felt we were weak, and I did that on purpose. And after I got done with that, you know, I, I, I kind of took those things and I, I prayed God about those things. I pointed out the fact that I recognized what these weaknesses were, and I asked God in those specific areas. I said, Lord, I need you to show yourself strong. And the truth is, as we uh, we go through this passage of Scripture, I think we'll find that uh, many times or for, we make the mistake of focusing on our strengths. And we're, when we should be focusing on our weaknesses, and you'll see why as we read this passage. But let's read, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll start reading in verse 1. Paul's talking here, and he says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. In such a one of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now for I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. I'm going to stop reading there for a second and explain what's going on. Paul here, he's telling a story about, he's like, I knew of a, I knew of a man from 14 years ago. And this man that he's speaking of, he, we see that it's actually himself that he's speaking of. That he said, he said whether, and whether this happened in the body or out of the body, I don't know. What many people believe about this passage of Scripture, there were many times where Paul was severely beaten, there was stoned, and there was one instance in one city where they believe he actually died and the Lord resurrected him. But we see here that he got caught up into paradise and he heard and he saw things. And we believe that he saw heaven here. There's people that I believe that have come very close to death's door and they've seen glimpses of heaven. I know there's a movie that's out right now. I haven't seen it called Heaven is for Real that tells a story of a boy that uh, believes he saw Jesus or heaven. I'm not sure all the details. I have a couple books along those lines. I believe, I believe a lot of that is real. I believe that's very real. I've heard stories of people that uh, they, uh, I believe, saw a glimpse of hell and lived to tell about it. And Paul here, he saw some things and he said, and he's saying, I'm not going to glory in these things. Paul had many great revelations given to him. Paul knew things that would blow other people's minds. He knew things that other people didn't know about. And he's being very careful about how he's speaking here. That's why he's talking about it like it was somebody else because he doesn't want to glory in this. He doesn't want anybody to think of him as something special. Because of this, but God had given something very special to Paul with what he had revealed to him, with what he had seen. And so in verse 7, he said, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. No one really knows for sure what that thorn in the flesh was, but Saul had something physically maybe wrong with him 
that a physical disability that Satan gave him that God allowed to happen so he didn't get too full of himself. So he didn't get too caught up in himself. And in verse 8 it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Three times Paul, who had a great prayer life, who had a very effective prayer life, three times he prayed that the Lord would get this thorn in the flesh from him. And it says in verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. God says, Hey, my grace, that's enough. God didn't answer that prayer. Whatever that thorn in the flesh was, whatever that disability that Paul had, God didn't take it away from him. God just told him, My grace is sufficient. And then he explains here, and this is what I want to focus on. He said, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, we want to, I believe that we're doing, I mean, obviously, I, I know there's areas that us as people, we can do more here at Liberty Baptist Church. But I, th- I think we're doing a lot of good things here, for sure. I think, I think you all are great people. God's given us wonderful people. But at the same time, you know, I really don't want to see us do a work here. I want to see God do something. I want to see something that's real. I want to see something that's divine. I want to see something that's supernatural. You know, there, you know, man can do some pretty neat things. We can do some pretty good things. That man can build some pretty good works. But you know, I'm not really interested in seeing what man can do here. I want to see God do something. More than anything else, I want to see God do a work. And what you see here, he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, and ver- uh, lost my spot. In verse oh nine, it says, "Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on." He says, "I'm going to glory in my infirmities. I'm going to focus on my weaknesses because I want the power of Christ on me. The, that those revelations that Paul, uh, that God gave to Paul, that knowledge that you have. Paul didn't care about that. He wanted the power of God in his life more than anything else. And in verse ten, he said, "Therefore, I take pleasure." In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Um, in glorying, ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. So right here we see Paul that he gloried in those infirmities. He's focusing on these weaknesses because he understood that whenever were the areas where he was weak, that was where God would show himself strong. And I want you to focus on your weaknesses this morning because the focusing on our weaknesses, it caught, that's what causes us to look to God. It was our recognition of our sin that caused us to look to Jesus Christ for salvation. Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why did you call on the Lord for salvation? Well, it was because you realized you were a sinner. You realized that you were on your way to hell. You realized that you could not work your way to heaven, so you called on the Lord for salvation. That recognition of your weakness, the recognition of the weakness of your flesh, that caused you to look to God and call, call on Him for salvation. 
And I tell you, we need people in the world today, the lost. They need to start looking at that. Many times if you ask them, are you going to heaven? You know what they do? They focus on their strengths. Well, I'm, I go, I'm a good church member. I'm a good mother. I'm a good father. I've been a good person. And they talk about all the things they've done. They focus on their strengths. But what, what are they supposed to focus on? It's their weakness. They need to say, I'm a sinner. And I, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I need Jesus Christ. But they do. They focus on their good things. They focus on their abilities. Our recognition of our inabilities, that's what causes us to seek for the gifts of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look over there. I want to read four verses of Scripture here to you. It says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to that is no. Not everybody does the same thing. Not everybody has the same gifts. But notice what we see here in verse 31. And I think the wording here is interesting too. Because it says, but covet. Wait a minute, what about thou shalt not covet? Well, that's thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife or thy neighbor's land or anything that's thy neighbor's. You're not supposed to covet what belongs to somebody else. But it says here, but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Paul say saying here, I mean, covet the gifts of the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Holy Ghost that God gives, those are specifically gifts that God gives you that you can use for His service. That you can use for His purpose. Whether that be the gift of public speaking or prophecy, like is going on right here, or the gift of teaching or gifts of helps. You know, some of you have different talents. I mean, we've got people that fortunately they had the gifts of building and thing. We're able to, you know, do this platform. And, you know, a, a friend of mine, he had the gift of building, was able to build this pulpit for me. Those are gifts that the Lord gives. People that have gifts, of, you know, organizational gifts. People have gifts, you know, even just gifts of, you know, things like the sewing. Got Miss Lorna, she's making the curtains for us. You know, Miss Hazel, she's got that gift of the knitting and crocheting and stuff. She's made those gloves that, you know, uh, that she's able to give people. Those things are gifts that God gives. You all have those gifts. Some of you I mean you have the gifts of cooking. Hey, those things, that's a blessing. I don't have that. If I make food for fellowship next week, nobody else is ever going to come to any, any more of those things. And whatever those gifts are, when you use those, those, those come from God. And you say, well, you know, maybe, maybe the, you know, there's an area though where you're not very gifted. Where you're weak. You know what? You ought to want those gifts. The Bible says covet earnestly the best gifts. Maybe you know you ought to want to do more for God. Many times, what we do is we say, "I'm not good at that," and when we don't try. And what we ought to do is say, "I want to be good at that. I want God to use me in that area." And ask God to give in that area. Listen, the Lord wants to give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to give you blessing. Look at James chapter one and verse one. James chapter one. In verse 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. I love that first verse there. I love it 
You know what? This is this is just extra here. This doesn't even have anything to do with my message. But notice it says there, James, a servant of God. And then notice Jude. It says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what Jude and James had in common? What's that? They were brothers. But does anybody know who else was their brother? Jesus. They were half-brothers of Jesus, but notice they didn't call themselves James and Jude. We were the brothers of Jesus. They don't, they don't mention that at all. Even though they were half-brothers of Jesus Christ, they say a servant of God. They understood who He was. And they understood that being a brother, that's not as great as being a servant. God, and that's what we do in the church. We serve. That was just bonus there. That was just extra for you. But it says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's saying here to ask of God. If you need wisdom, so I'm not a very wise person. Well, ask, ask God for it. And it says He gives it liberally. I mean, that's one area where God is a liberal and that's in giving good things. In giving wisdom. I mean, God, He gives wisdom out like a politician does on an election year. Gives away your ta- the taxpayer money, not His own money. Well, He gives away taxpayer money. That's how God is when it comes to His giving. He gives liberally. He wants, he wants to give you these gifts. We've got to recognize they come from Him. Some people, the Lord will give them a gift of something and then they will go in glory in that gift and make a big deal about themselves with that gift. Now, I love that, please, that are going to be coming here. They're, they're, they're some of the nicest, most down-to-earth folks in the world, and they, you know, the Lord's gifted them with their uh, you know, talent and singing and everything. You know, Brother TC just sang for us. But you know, I mean, what if Brother TC or the athletes next week and they got here before they sing? You know, I just want to, right now, just I want to thank the Lord that He's given you the privilege of listening to my great voice today. And to hear me just, uh, you know, use my gifted abilities that I have worked so hard over the years to... Uh, you think God's going to be impressed? Are we going to like that? I don't care. If somebody did that, I don't care how good they sang, we're not going to enjoy it one bit, are we? We're not going to, we wouldn't like that at all. And the truth is, that we, you know, people that are using their gifts right, they give God the glory for that. It's God that gets the praise for the gifts that, for the gifts that we have. And, many, and we've got to understand that Whatever our strengths are, they come from God. And therefore, if we are weak in an area, that God can use that too. That God can give us abilities in that area. God wants to do that. Our, the, our recognition of our needs, that causes us to go to God in prayer. James chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, with anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray 
one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right there, we see how when we recognize that need we have, if somebody's sick, okay, it's okay for them to recognize the fact that I'm sick. I have an illness. I need prayer. That recognition of that problem that they have in their life, it will cause them to look to God. It will cause them to seek out to Him in prayer. Sometimes those sicknesses, and maybe sometimes you know, the person finds out they've got a fatal illness, that causes them to finally think about their soul and to think about their eternal destination. And the truth is, if a person gets saved as a result of that, that fatal illness was the best thing that ever happened to them. And so there's nothing, like I said, focusing on these things, if they can cause us to start looking to God in the right way, our recognition of the problems that we can't handle will cause us to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to deal with those things. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You know why we get in trouble most of the time? is because we try to fix everything ourselves. How many of you have ever gotten in trouble before? Maybe trying to fix your car by yourself or fix something in your house by yourself when you didn't know what you were doing. Okay, I've been there more than once where I tried to fix something I had no business trying to fix that was way out of my league. And I just made things worse. And you know, there's many, many of the problems and things that we get stressed over and the things that upset us and get us down are problems that we should be giving over to the Lord. Casting our care upon Him. Saying, Lord, there is nothing I can do about this situation. I need You to take this one, Lord. I need You to do that. But most of the time we think, I can do it. I can do it. And you know what? There's things that we can do here. I I believe that we can fill this place up with people. I believe that we can, you know... Get this building all fixed up and maybe even add on to I think we can do some of those things. I think we if I think if we try hard enough and if we work hard enough and we do certain things, I think we could probably become one of the more popular churches in town, one of the more recognized ones that everybody knows and likes. I think we can do some of those things, but are we here to be popular? Are we here just to get crowds? Are we here just to build buildings? Or are we here to worship the Lord, to serve Him, and to see Him do a work. I don't know about you. I don't really care that much about seeing what man can do. I've seen some of the things that man can do, and it's it's all right. But I'd rather see God do something. I want to see I want to see the Creator do a work. I'd have loved to have been there and been able to just kind of sit there in the sidelines and watch when God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. When God created the heavens and the earth, that would have been a pretty neat thing to watch. I'd like to have seen it when He parted the Red Sea. I've seen some of the things that man can do. I've seen some of the act. I've, I've watched some of the you know great baseball players of the past. I got to watch Ryan Sandberg play baseball. I got to watch Ryan Sandberg hit one of his last home runs. He was one of my favorite baseball players. That was pretty cool. But you know he could hit a ball farther than me. But you know not that great. You know I've seen some of the you know I've seen professional football games and I've seen some of those things. And it's, it's pretty. I've seen some of the you know buildings and. Uh, Things that man's made. I've been on the top of the Sears Tower before. That was pretty cool. But you know, I'd rather see God do something. What man does, you can get over that pretty fast. It can get old old pretty fast. But when God's doing a work, 
that never gets old. And not only do I want to see God do a work, but I want Him to do that work through me. Not so I can glory, just because I want to be used of God. I want to be able to have that privilege of being like James and Jude, who were the half-brothers of Jesus Christ, to be able to call myself a servant of God. A servant. One that belongs to God. One that God is using. The Lord gives commands and I fulfill the Lord's wishes. I want to do that. And we've got to learn to focus on our weaknesses because that causes us to look to Him and give these things over to God. But our choices for who God can use, it's often quite a bit different than God's choices. You see, because whenever we start, you know, Whenever we start talking about you know God using somebody in a different area, automatically we start thinking about, well, it should be somebody else. I can't do that. I'm not good in this area. Let me tell you, if that's what you're thinking, if you're weak in that area, you're probably the one that God wants to use. Well, it, uh, I'm not take time to read all these examples, but Moses, when God called Moses at the burning bush, what did Moses do? He said, "Lord, I'm not eloquent." I can't speak. He said, who am I? Lord, Moses had none of the qualifications of a great leader as far as you and I would say. But you know what the Lord said to him? The Lord got angry with him when he kept talking about himself. And the Lord said, didn't I say that I would be with thee? I said, I'm going to be with you. And Moses is looked at as one of the greatest leaders of all time. And he had He had nothing that we would look at and say he would make a great leader. He had, he had none of that. He was, he'd be one of the last ones we would pick, but he was the first one that God picked to do great things. You think about Gideon and his army. They were going to go up against a multitude, hundreds of thousands, with a 32,000-man army. Now, that's still, that's not very good against several hundred thousand. One of the groups was a multitude. They couldn't even number it. I mean, they were out at least ten times or more outnumbered. And you know what God said? He said, that army is too big. Why would He say that the army is too big? Because He didn't want them taking credit for being, yeah, we beat them guys, man, 100 to 1, and we took them out. They, they might have been able to say that. But God went He shrunk that army down to 300. Because if 300 beats hundreds of thousands... They're not going to bother bragging on that because nobody's going to believe it had anything to do with them. They're going to know for sure that that was God that did the work. And Gideon and those 300 men, they won that battle because the simple fact, God, he doesn't share his glory with anybody. Elisha and his servant, they were, it was the two of them against a multitude. And boy, Elisha's servant, he's looking like, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. And his servant looked and he beheld chariots of fire. And they were surrounded by a spiritual army that won that battle. You know what? Elisha and his servant never one time said, you know, let me tell you about the time when me and Elisha took out a whole army. They didn't do that. They knew it wasn't them. They knew that was 100% God. And I'm telling you right now, we, uh, you know, go ahead, focus on your weaknesses because that's going to cause you to look to the one who's really supposed to be doing the work. God's choices are always foolishness to man. God used Peter, the hot-headed, outspoken, cussing fisherman. Remember, Peter, boy, he just had problems. Peter, 
one hour. Lord, I'll go with you to death. Lord, I'll always be there with you. Though all forsake you, I'll be with you. And Jesus said, the cock's not going to crow twice before you deny me thrice. And sure enough, a few hours later, the Bible says he's following Jesus afar off. Three times he denies him. They keep telling him, no, you're a Galilean. I can tell by your speech. And to cover up the fact that he was a follower of Christ, he began to curse. Peter did that. And then, three days later, when Jesus rises from the dead, he's not there at the tomb like he should have been. He wasn't there at the cross. Even after Jesus resurrected from the dead, there was a space where Jesus was around him for a while and Peter didn't know what to do. And he said, you know what? I go a-fishing. And he went back to go to his old job, his old occupation, and he went fishing. And he's out there fishing, and the Bible says that he was naked. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and he gets embarrassed, and he grabs his fisher's coat, and he jumps in the water. trying. He was backslidden already, even after he saw Jesus rise from the dead. But Jesus used that man in a great way. changed his life. After that, he... He finally changed. He finally got his act together. Did great things. He used Thomas, the doubter. We don't have time to look at the story, but I love the story how Jesus, He showed up there and He showed him His hands and His side. And the Bible says that when He was there, He breathed on him and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He was given transferring His authority to them to go out and to preach the Gospel, to start churches. But Jesus had to come back again the next week. You know why? Because one of those men He was wanting to send out wasn't there. His name was Thomas. Thomas didn't believe when the others told him about Jesus showing up there. And then Jesus showed up. Thomas had to see it to believe it. But you know what? Thomas, God used him in a great way. God used James and John that Jesus called the sons of thunder. You know why He called them the sons of thunder? Because they were hotheads. They had tempers. and But He used those men in a great way. John became was known as the beloved disciple. He was the closest to Jesus out of any of the disciples. He was the one that wrote the book of John. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The one who wrote the book of Revelation. God used Nathaniel, the cynic. Can any good thing come out of Galilee when he heard that the Messiah was there? Jesus used Nathaniel. God, he, God used Saul, the persecutor. I mean, why use the guy that's going around killing Christians? Why? The one that we talked about, the Lord gave all those revelations to, the one who wrote a good portion of our New Testament, the one who many would say probably the greatest Christian that ever lived was a persecutor of the church. And God used him in a great way. God used the demon-possessed Mary Magdalene. She's called a disciple of Christ. She was a follower of Christ. She was there at the cross. God used her in a great way, and but before He used her, He had to cast seven devils out of her. That's who He used. God used men like Samson, the girl-chasing, long-haired hippie. He used, used him in a great way. God used Rahab the harlot. We can go on and on and look at these people in the Bible that God used that had some serious, serious issues. God used these people and God used many more like them to do great things. And if God used that, used them, I think, in fact, I know that God can use the people that are sitting in this room. Many times we think, you know, we're going to you know, do great things. You know, we, we need this, you know, this kind of person to come. You know, we, need, well, we need some millionaires in the church so they can give all kinds of money. We need, no, I don't believe God wants to use the millionaires. God likes to use, he'd rather use the poor. 
And the needy thing, we since God doesn't think the way we think, He can use the people sitting in this room to be great soul winners, to be great leaders, to be those Sunday school teachers, to be you know bus workers, whatever it is, whatever the ministry, whatever really whatever the Lord is laying on your heart, whatever you think this church ought to be doing, whatever you think ought to be going on here, whatever you think somebody should be doing in this church, you are probably the one that God wants doing that. That's why it's on your heart. You say, well, wait a minute. No, I can't do that. You sound a lot like Moses. You sound a lot like, well, no, you don't understand. I've got these sins in my life. Oh, yeah, because Peter didn't have any sin in his life. Paul didn't have any sin in his life. You don't think God can take you and change you and use you in a great way? You're probably the one that God wants to use. You might think, I am not a good choice. And I'm telling you right now, if that's what you think, mark it down, you are probably the one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, last verse I want to show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, But we preach Christ crucified. We preach a simple gospel, Paul's saying. Under the Jews, a stumbling block. And under the Greeks, foolishness. The Greeks, they like the real complicated stuff. I mean, the Greeks, they had gods for everything. And when you, when you talk to a Greek about just one God, when you talk about a way to heaven is just through believing in Christ, they thought, that's foolish. There's nothing to that. Our religion, much more complicated, much more intelligent, much more advanced. But verse 25 says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God doesn't usually call the really talented. God doesn't usually use the really rich. I mean, listen, there's people out there, if they gave, if they tithed for one year, they could that, that a church could run till Christ's return on that. If they tithe one year, why can't God just go save some of them? You know, save a billionaire, and man, think of all the churches that he could support, all the ministries that could be done. God doesn't use those people. Because if he did, alright, if we go and we win Bill Gates to Christ and he joins our church, and all of a sudden we're building all these fancy buildings and we're sending out all these missionaries. Who's everybody going to say did that? Bill Gates did that. All his money did that. God doesn't, is not interested in people's money. God is interested in doing a work and God would rather use that little bit that we have. Why do you think Jesus used a lad with five loaves and two fishes? Why couldn't he happen to just have some farmer out there that had a whole bunch of food that was all ready to harvest? Because then everybody would have praised the farmer. But it was clear that it was Jesus that did the work here. And uh, keep reading verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. If the Lord is really doing the work here, none of us are going to get credit for it. If 
great things start to happen here and people are saying, wow, Pastor Tommy, wow, you know, so-and-so in the church, wow, those people in the church. That's not God doing the work. And you know what? If that's the case, you know, we might as well just go team up with one of these other churches that are doing great things on their own. I'm not interested in what we can do because it's not going to be that great. I'm interested in what the Lord can do through us. And God uses us and He uses our weaknesses. His strength is made perfect. His strength is made complete in weakness. Weakness. When you think about how you can serve in this church, when you think about what you can do, don't look at your strength. Don't worry, don't worry about your strengths. Ask the Lord, and He might just point something out that needs done in an area where you are very weak. And you know what you need to do? You need to surrender. I remember when the Lord called me to preach. I felt the Lord called me to preach, and I, I wasn't always thinking about Lord. Here's 45 reasons why I shouldn't be the one to do it. And the Lord used that verse. The Lord has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I remember I got my dad asked me to you know, stand up in church and just you know, uh, let the folks know about my plans. And the Lord's calling me into the ministry. And I start off by reading that verse because I knew those people. Many of them knew me since I was a little kid. And they were, I knew what they were going to think. What's the Lord thinking? <laughs> why, why would He use Him? It's like, hey, I don't know what He's thinking either. I didn't want him to think I was Lord, you know, up there saying, "Lord's called me to preach because I have just, I, you know, I have this vast Bible knowledge and great eloquence and great personality." Uh, uh, they knew better than that. And I want to make sure they knew I knew better than that too. And it's like, hey, this is all I got, folks. This is just how God works. And I'm telling you, God can use you in a great way. And you need to pray that the Lord will, that the Lord will do a work, that the Lord will show. Himself strong, and that He'll even use your weaknesses to do it. That, that sh- I know that's my prayer. I hope that's yours. So let's all stand together.